0: Om Namah Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namah
1: Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om
0: namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om
2: Namah Bhagavate Vasudevaya.
0: So we've arrived at week 62 of Bhagavad Gita class, and this is chapter 18, um, the last 10 verses or so. And we've experienced Krishna um, trying to convince Arjuna to fight the battle of Kurukshetra, And he gave many wonderful arguments, um, spelling Arjuna's, countering Arjuna's arguments. And he laid out the path of Karma Yoga. He laid out the path of Jnana Yoga. Um, karma Yoga is like piety, like the path of piety. Um, Jnana yoga is a path of philosophical research. And he laid out the path of yoga, which is uh, controlling the body, controlling the mind, and and having deep focus, concentration, meditation. And ultimately, um, in this chapter, the the science of renunciation, uh, Lord Krishna is spelling out the highest dharma. Which we concluded last chapter. Sarvadarman prityaja. Mam ekam sharanam braja. moksha Shami So, Krishna is saying that all of these processes given, all of them are meant to lead the soul to this point of just accepting Krishna. Simply accepting Krishna as being. Uh, correct as being um, the person to follow. So he says, like, all these processes, they will gradually help you elevate <clears throat> your consciousness. But you say, now I'm saying, simply accept me. Just accept what I'm saying. If you just accept me, if you trust me, that's what Krishna's saying, if you trust me, then I will deliver you. I will deliver you from all barriers, because sinful uh, reactions are barriers, right? Because we have to suffer the resultant action of our karma from past lives and this life. It says, "I'll remove all these barriers, um, and I will deliver you." Uh, earlier in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna said, uh, nam ante, jnanavan mam vasudevam sarvam iti so he says, after many births and deaths, one who's actually in knowledge surrenders unto me, knowing me to be the cause of all causes and all that be. Such a great soul is very rare. So, in other words, all the processes that we've been through for millions of births, trying to perform pious activities, karma yoga, jnana yoga, uh, ashtanga yoga, has led to. Um, knowledge and awareness that uh, Krishna sarvamiti, that Krishna is everything, and and simply accepting uh, the path of bhakti yoga, that Krishna says the highest form of yoga is bhakti yoga, and and by simply accepting that process, Krishna says you can forego all these other processes, and you can simply uh, ride on my mercy. That way you attain me. Uh, so it's uh, the most beautiful conversation um, convincing the soul Convincing his friend Marjuna um, and all of us about the higher values in life and Ultimately what the highest occupation for us is which is to surrender and love to God and Now, the Bhagavad Gita, although it contains everything, it contains everything in a uh, condensed and appropriate way for um, gradually elevating the soul and consciousness and helping them to accept the path of bhakti. Once the path of bhakti is accepted, then what happens when you accept Krishna as God? So in other words, we want to follow Krishna because he's God and because he's our great he's our greatest friend and well-wisher so that means we want to do what he requests of us ultimately what he's telling Arjuna is just do what i say like like you don't like you can realize this through all these processes but ultimately just follow me just follow my direction and you'll attain the ultimate goal so Then the devotee, someone who's accepted Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the great soul, the the rare soul, Krishna says, who's accepted Krishna, accepted the path of Bhakti Yoga. Then we want to learn more about what Krishna wants. Krishna's saying, follow me, follow my direction. So then Srimad Bhagavatam comes in. Srimad Bhagavatam is all about Krishna. So we want to get to know who is this person who's telling me to surrender to him. And so Bhagavatam explains all that. fully explains who Krishna is and how the devotees relate to him. How, like Prahlad Maharaj is giving the nine processes of devotional service and, 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 and actually how to um, ultimately fall in love with him. That's the goal of knowing Krishna. And um, then in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, that shows an example of what it looks like to be fully surrendered lover of God. See, so we get to know Krishna through Trina Bhagavatam, then we see how that looks, how that pure love of God manifests through the Chaitanya Chantamita. So then, um, because this is meant for the pious living entities to hear these pure words of Krishna, so then the question comes is, how do we relay this message to others, um, I was talking to Nick today, and he was saying that his, his grandma um, was having a hard time accepting why do we distribute books like we're so adamant about reaching it. He said, "What do you, you know? What, what recommendation do you have?" I said, "Well, you know, tell her that if somebody found the cure for cancer, are you going to keep that a secret? Say someone has cancer and you have the cure. No, that would be that would be actually very uh, cruel." They keep that a secret. Um, so she can't see that or accept that because she hasn't experienced Krishna consciousness. She hasn't experienced what it can do for a person. That is the saving grace. It's the force that will liberate us from the cycle of birth and death. And so so this question then comes um, towards the end of Bhagavad Gita of I was sharing Bhagavad Gita. So the first question that was asked is, what type of people should we not try to explain the Gita to and why? So I wanted to briefly open up a discussion. What do you think would hinder you from wanting to share personally? Because this is a very personal thing. This means sharing with others. What would hinder you from wanting to share something very dear to you with somebody else? What are some qualities in the other person?
3: Yeah,
4: Like they just have no interest pretty much, no, that just... it, it would be like a waste of time, pretty much. Mm-hmm. They
0: don't want to hear at all. No.
3: Yeah. If their only point for initiating a conversation is to have a debate to prove you wrong. So they don't want to hear again, they don't want to hear,
0: but they want to just wait to tell you what they think. Okay. What other qualities in a person would make you not want to open up to them? And it doesn't necessarily have to be just in your own experience with relationships.
1: If the person is envious, I think that's, you know, for me personally, I I wouldn't waste my time. If the person is either offensive or envious.
0: So you feel some, like, bad energy or, like, yeah ill will coming yeah. towards you yeah. you don't want to share with them something do you? <laughs> right. like do you know you know this sweet story about how you know i made this you know meal for my mother when i was like five years old like, you you'll have no desire to want to share something confidential in your life mm-hmm. with somebody who's like has negativity towards you or ill will okay anything else that comes to mind
3: yeah. For
2: example, I was, I was when I was walking to work um, just a couple of weeks ago, and I usually take a little bit of books with me and I see students walking, and every once in a while I'll approach them if I get a, I, I guess for a lack of a better word, kind of get a vibe off them that's a good vibe that I can give them a book, you know? But it reminded me that, that there was these guys that were, they had made an ingenious ping pong table out of this table they'd put up on a couple of chairs. And they were playing ping pong, but they were drinking a lot. And they were really, but there was like six people out there. And I thought, for a brief second, I thought, no, they would not be open to that. So, because just because they were so, you know, intoxicated that they wouldn't, they'd probably just laugh or cause a problem or whatever. So, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Mm
0: -hmm. What is like the deep reason why we would not want to share something dear to us with just anybody.
1: Because they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't value it. If you hold something very dear to you, to you and you want to share it with someone else, you would hope that that person can see the value in what you are sharing, if they if they're unable to see that value, then you almost feel like, um, like you have wasted your time. But more, what's that word that you said earlier about your video game? How you felt? What was it? So yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. Was it under? You said no, something else, but unrecognized mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh. something like that. It was. It was along those lines. So then going back to your example,
0: Krishna Non-Prabhu, you said you saw these people drinking whatever, and you were thinking about sharing something that's very was, dear to you, yeah. but the, the reason is, is because you feel like they wouldn't value it. Right,
2: absolutely.
0: They would... Yeah.
2: It went lot so of just oh, exactly yeah. I don't know what, what that was. So it was like yeah. They wouldn't value yeah. it. Unappreciated. There. They would not appreciate it, plus yeah. they would just, they're in a state of mind that they would not really comprehend it, I don't think, either. No receptivity. So, so. Yeah, exactly.
0: You, okay.
4: Or to even hear someone say something ugly or offensive about something that is so personal and precious to me, just to, it, it would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I kind of to say that yeah. like if, if you open up to somebody that doesn't really appreciate or anything like that, it's, it's like allowing yourself to be hurt by others because they're not in a position where they're actually listening, it's it's kinda like now they can commit offenses or now they can hurt you, you know, like in different ways. Cause you know, like even, even if he was to like approach them cause like his intention is to give them something to help. But even if let's say he approached them and they totally completely like blew him off or whatever he, he's gonna feel disappointed he's gonna feel he's gonna feel it because why because he actually cares for these for these souls so it's like allowing yourself to be a little vulnerable like you kind of think twice about that
0: so like the intention in the beginning is like let's elevate this, the consciousness let's have you know a wonderful experience and then after the sharing takes place then actually you have like you started like on a neutral place and then after you shared you actually went down right right like because they committed offenses like you were saying and at the same time you feel something dear to you has been uh stepped on yeah
5: Yeah. do you have something yeah well from my the way i i I have experiences that when you especially talk have a conversation about the soul in the spirit it's very hard to understand for even for me and for someone who is an ordinary person that not hasn't been exposed to this information it be very hard because they will not understand you know because uh, talking about the dependence of the absolute right this is not very easy to understand, even though it's so simple.
0: So, a lot of what we do in Krishna consciousness, going out and chanting and distributing blessed food, is to make the consciousness more um, receptive to spiritual knowledge. And so, like when Prabhupada would, would preach and when he would um, speak, he, most of the time, he kept it at a very basic, very basic level deep realization, he's coming from a place of full realization, so it was so powerful. And, and and his love and compassion were so powerful. But if you listen to his lectures, the majority of his speaking and his writing, he doesn't, if you read the whole Bhagavad Gita, how much do you see him talking about Radha and Krishna's pastimes? He doesn't talk very much about, he doesn't talk about Radharani very much. Like even at the end of the Bhagavad Gita and the purport, you notice like the last, sentence of the Bhagavad Gita is about the pleasure-giving potency.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: That's Radharani. But he doesn't he doesn't get into talking deeply about that for that exact reason. Because people have to become purified to, to be able to accept these uh, deeper uh, esoteric reality of, of the spiritual world. So that's good. Okay. Uh, so let's see what what is said here in the Bhagavad Gita. So Krishna says, this confidential knowledge may never be explained to those who are not austere or devoted or engaged in devotional service, nor to one who is envious of me. So Srila Prabhupada says, persons who have not undergone the austerities of the religious process, who have never attempted devotional service in Krishna consciousness, who have not tended a pure devotee. I take that i mean serve in a pure devotee. And especially those who are Conscious of Krishna only as a historic personality, or who are envious of the greatness of Krishna, should not be told the most confidential part of knowledge. It is, however, sometimes found, this is important, that even demoniac persons who are envious of Krishna, worshipping Krishna in a different way, take to the, to the profession of explaining Bhagavad Gita in a different way to make business. But anyone who actually, who desires actually to understand Krishna, must avoid his commentaries on Bhagavad Gita. Actually, the purpose of Bhagavad Gita is not understandable to those who are sensuous. But is strictly following the disciplines enjoined in the Vedic scripture. If he is not a devotee, he also cannot understand Krishna. And even when one poses himself as a devotee of Krishna, but is not engaged in Krishna conscious activities, he also cannot understand Krishna. There are many persons who envy Krishna because he has explained in Bhagavad Gita that he is a supreme, that nothing is above him or equal to him. There are many persons who are envious of Krishna. Such persons should not be told of Bhagavad Gita, for they cannot understand. There is no possibility of a faithless person understanding Bhagavad Gita and Krishna. Without understanding Krishna from the authority of a pure devotee, one should not try to comment upon Bhagavad Gita. Now, this verse is again referenced here in 71, and Krishna says, And one who listens with faith and without envy becomes free from sinful reactions and attains to the auspicious planets where the pious dwell. So let's see what Prabhupada says here. In the 67th verse, that's the one we just read of this chapter, the Lord explicitly forbade the Gitas being spoken to those who are envious of the Lord. In other words, Bhagavad Gita is for the devotees only. But it so happens that sometimes the devotee of the Lord will hold open class, and in that class not all the students are expected to be devotees. Why do such persons hold open class? It is explained here that although not everyone is a devotee, still there are many men who are not envious of Krishna. That's the prerequisite. They have faith in him as a supreme personality of Godhead. If such persons hear from a bona fide devotee about the Lord, the result is that they become at once freed from all sinful reactions and attain it, and that they attain to the planetary systems where all the righteous persons are situated. Therefore, simply by hearing Bhagavad Gita, even a person who does not try to become a pure devotee attains the results of righteous activities. Do you see what the power is of being sincere and non-envious of Krishna? That even if somebody isn't planning on following Bhagavad Gita, simply they're not envious and they hear. And Krishna says they attain to a righteous state. So that's how merciful and how powerful Bhagavad Gita is.
5: We go to Juvaloka.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, he said that later.
4: Like, I wish I was God? Or I am, what does that mean? Envy of Krishna?
0: Envy, it means that we want to be in the position of God. Yeah. We want to be the, we want to be the enjoyer. Um, we want to be served, and, and we want to enjoy God's um, internal energy, ultimately.
4: So maybe the reason we're
0: all here is for that reason? Is that right? That's the root of being here, yeah, that's envy. So that's why these yoga processes are recommended, because they purify us, ultimately, to be more receptive to God Consciousness. And um, someone who accepts devotional service, uh, they're actually, they've gone through the yoga processes. You know, they've reached a state of non-envy. Now we still have anarta in our hearts, so we may feel like, "I still have material desires. How can I, how can I hear Bhagavad Gita?" But the idea is, is that we're hearing with non-envy, and we're not attached to these material desires. In other words, we see them as a negative aspect in our life. Anartha, we see them as being. Um, the opposite of holding value. We see them as being trash basically. And and in, in that state of consciousness, we are attempting to fullheartedly engage in devotional practices and be free from these things. So everybody comes to God with an with attachments, with material desires. So that's the process of purification is, is going through the process. Hearing and chanting, remembering, etc. But the difference is, is how do we approach um, the Guru? And we approach the Guru uh, with envy and we, we give so much value to our material attachments, and that way we can't hear. And in that way, um, we'll go away and we create some disruption <laughs> in the lives of devotees. Um, so I don't, I don't want to spend too much time because we haven't even started sharing, and it's already 5: 30. Um, what type of people should explain should we explain the Gita to, and what are the benefits for us? So what would you say just some qualities of persons that we would like to share with? Know, a goodness. A goodness.
5: Okay. It's open and receptive, of course, and receptive. receptive.
0: Open-minded. Open-minded. Okay, good. Pious. Yes? Pious? So we're sitting down. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to tell somebody about the most best thing in our life. The thing we love, the person we love the most. Why do we want to share that with them?
1: Because will appreciate it.
0: mm mm-hmm. will appreciate it. We
2: want them to have some, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I want good. to share it. So you feel the receptivity. They want to experience that. Okay. Good. So Krishna says, For one who explains the supreme secret to the devotees, pure devotional service is guaranteed. And at the end he will come back to me. And Prabhupada says, Generally it, it is advertised that Bhagavad Gita be discussed amongst the devotees only. For those who are not devotees will understand neither Krishna nor Bhagavad Gita. Those who do not accept Krishna as he is and Bhagavad Gita as it is should not try to explain Bhagavad Gita whimsically and become offenders. Bhagavad Gita should be explained to persons who are ready to accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is a subject matter for the devotees only and not for philosophical speculators. Anyone, however, who tries sincerely to present Bhagavad Gita as it is will advance in devotional activities and reach the pure devotional state of life. So anyone who tries to sincerely, Prabhupada said this is the prerequisite of sincerity, sincerely tries to present Bhagavad Gita as it is, will advance in devotional activities and reach the pure devotional state of life. As a result of such pure devotion, he is sure to go back home, back to Godhead. So these are the benefits of sharing Bhagavad Gita. So that includes talking to pious persons about Krishna's words. As the people we meet, the devotees at the temple, And Bhagavad Gita class, sharing Bhagavad Gita with others who are receptive, distributing books. And we might say, well, Prabhupada has so many books. Bhagavad Gita is in all of them. Bhagavad Gita is included in all Prabhupada's books. Mm -hmm. He quotes Bhagavad Gita. So um, Um, that's also sharing Bhagavad Gita. So then Krishna says, there is no servant in the world more dear to me than he, nor will there ever be one more dear. And I declare that he who studies the sacred conversation of ours worships me by his intelligence. So Krishna said, you try to understand what I'm saying. You are worshiping me. You're pleasing me using your intelligence in this way. So what was Arjuna's response to all of Lord Krishna's instructions? Who would like to say?
1: You've dispelled all of my illusions and now know the truth. I'm just paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I'm ready to listen, I'm ready to take up my my, my my weapon and fight. He's convinced, he's wholeheartedly convinced that Krishna is not only his dear friend, but the supreme personality of Godhead. And uh that's you know, I think we can all come to that conclusion as well. That's right. the goal. All
0: right, Krishna. Okay. Anybody like to share? Yes. I'll go first. I usually don't,
1: so I'll, I'll go first. first. Um, this this verse that I chose is a testament to the power of hearing. It's one of my favorite things to do, <laughs> is to hear. Um, but we have many different processes that we can engage in, but hearing is very special. Shravanam, right? Um, so is. Dhananjaya, is it Dhananjaya? He's hearing this conversation. No, San- Sanjaya. I'm sorry. Sanjaya is hearing this conversation. It's uh, somehow being transmitted through uh, through his spiritual master Vyasa. And um, and he was able to to arrive at the same conclusion. And as 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 he recalls this, as he explains in, in the text. As I repeatedly recall this wondrous and holy dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna, I take pleasure being thrilled at every moment. And then he says in in the following verse, he says, I'm struck with wonder more and more and rejoice again and again. And um, a couple verses before that, he says how his hairs are standing on end. So he's he's basking in this conversation. And, And it's really interesting because when I first heard the Bhagavad Gita, and I think about it now, it was like right before like we were on our way to Yatra, right? Like it was like probably weeks before going heading out to Rathyat Yatra. And I just remember having that same kind of feeling. Like, out of everything that I've ever heard or studied in my life, this is the most dear. This is, you know, and this was just an audiobook of, of the Bhagavad Gita. But I was like so excited. I was just beyond excited. I didn't even have Prabhupada's purports. But I was just like, this is so wonderful. Where has this been all my life? And I remember feeling that, like just like, whoa, I, I need to go deeper into this knowledge. This is so life-changing. So it was something that when I, when I saw the way Dhananjay is, is reacting in these last verses, it just reminds me of how I, I reacted when I first heard the Bhagavad Gita as well. And um, this is beautiful because in the last verse here, and this is, I'll end with this. Um, where is it? I mean, that last purport is insane, is it? And it's just wonderful. But um, as he's describing, he's, dis- oh, here it is. So the disciplic succession, right? It's like non-different. Like when you're hearing from from Krishna directly or when you're hearing from one of Krishna's representatives, it's non-different. It it carries the same potency. So it says here, let me find it here. Yeah, right here. Krishna is the master of all such mysticism. It is to be understood, however, that as Arjuna was fortunate enough to understand Krishna directly, so by the grace of Vyas... Sanjaya was also able to hear Krishna directly. Actually, there is no difference between hearing directly from Krishna and hearing directly from Krishna via a bona fide spiritual master like Vyas. The spiritual master is the representative of Vyasadeva also. I thought that was really interesting considering that we're very uh, near Gurudev's Vyasa Puja, and then it explains how, therefore, according to the Vedic system, on the birthday of the spiritual master, the disciples conduct a ceremony called Vyasa Puja. So, this is just a beautiful purport, beautiful verses, and truly a testament to the power of hearing. And with just that one process of hearing, we can we can become completely enlightened and transcend all miseries and go back home. It's, all it takes is one process, if we hear sincerely. Sorry. But we don't have to limit ourselves to just one. I'm just saying it's
0: that part. <laughs> There's one verse, and that is from the Vedas. The Prabhupada quotes, and he says that one who has implicit faith in the, in the Guru and in Krishna, all the imports of the Vedic knowledge is revealed to them. So like that, it, it speaks to what we're hearing now at the end of Bhagavad Gita. Where Krishna is saying, if you just have faith in me, if you surrender unto me, then I will deliver you. Yeah. He says, I'll carry what you lack and preserve what you have. So basically like that faith in Guru and Krishna, because Guru and Krishna, the message is non-different. So just that strong faith in Guru and Krishna. Because we can have unlimited doubts. There, there's no limit to doubting because of how limited we are. So if we want to doubt, Krishna, we can do that we want to doubt the disciple succession, we can do that. But um, as we make advancement and we develop more faith, at a certain point, we develop unbreakable faith. And so it's said that once we have that unbreakable faith in Guru and Krishna, everything becomes revealed from within the heart. That's the key. Having faith in the right person. As I said, you can, we can go on speculating for hundreds of years, thousands of births, and we'll never reach anywhere. But once we trust the right person, everything is there. So that's what Krishna is saying. Just trust me. Just follow me. And yeah, hearing is the process for Kali Yuga. So if you're attached to hearing, when no matter of you're attached to hearing... That's your deliverance from this material world just by having that one attachment through hearing about Krishna, hearing the Holy Names. So, I love that story dear Dr. Prabhu told about that um, Babaji who was Prabhupada's God brother. He was so absorbed in the Holy Names. Did you hear that? I did. And I looked at his diary (laughs) and each day, because you're going to write what you do for the day, each day was just the Holy Names of Krishna. (laughs) There's nothing else. Today... You know, uh, January 1st, 2020. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. <laughs> Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare. Yeah.
1: It's
2: okay. It's you to share? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I mean, all I can say is, wow. Um, you sound like a
0: Sanjaya.
2: Man. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I, I had a really... <laughs> challenge to try to figure out something, but I, I found a, a sentence in verse 74 in the purport that sort of just made a synopsis of the whole Bhagavad Gita, in that one sense for me at least, and that was that if we follow in the footsteps of a to understand Krishna, then our life will be happy and successful. Mm-hmm. So uh, my understanding of that is, uh, Jjurna by his actions demonstrates the path of a pure devotee, and Sets the example for us to follow in order to understand Krishna and in making our life auspicious and contented. So, my application for that is by following Adrena's example the best I can and following instructions of the spiritual master, um, then uh, my life hopefully will be truly fulfilled. And uh, so, I just continue to do what the spiritual master tells me to do, I continue to follow. What Krishna instructed in the Bhagavad Gita, it's almost like uh, you can see the step-by-step processes, and to understand them the best I can, and by hearing, and by chanting, and hearing the holy names in many different ways, um, that's the best thing we can do, and just keep doing it. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Anyway. So we definitely will be fulfilled, completely fulfilled, through following Krishna and Arjuna, but it will not come through the material energy material energy will always let us down. <laughs> so, Every time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so at some point you can remove the hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Because it will happen.
2: Yeah, I'm
0: sure. But maybe not the way we expect. So like Prabhupada, he was thinking I'll be successful in business. And then by using my financial uh, situation, then I can help propagate the Krishna consciousness movement. And that never happened. Rampa was never successful. He could have been successful. He had the he had the um, capabilities to be successful. But Krishna didn't allow him to be successful because Krishna had a different plan for him. So, okay, who would like to share next?
3: I have a question
0: about this
3: purport. Here. Our, our first. Just one moment, Gotta find it. Um, I'm having trouble finding it right now, but I remember that I was saying that... I'm reminded in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, I thought that Sanjaya was a charioteer of Dhritarashtra, and um, that he was partaking in the war itself. But when I read the verse... Which I'll find in a moment to back up. When I read the verse, it was saying that he was like a secretary, and that he was describing the battle to him after the fact.
0: He was well Jitarashtra was blind, but oh. Jitrashtra was in the palace. He wasn't on the battlefield. Yeah. So neither of them were on the battlefield. So but while it was happening, Shundai was relating it to Jitarashtra. He was asking, Jitrasa was asking, asking, what are my sons doing and the sons of Pandra doing?
3: going on right because it was like a Yoden that was on the battlefield right yes okay I understand that. Yeah. okay wait like... yeah um i already shared right
1: yeah <laughs> did
0: you have something about a century yeah. you have something else you want to share been to better people? um
1: no not okay <laughs>
0: Okay, we want to hear from Mary Mohini? Yeah. Okay, let's see what she said. I felt so bad because she had her everything prepared for when she was here. And I had already canceled the class because of Diwali. So I felt really bad about that. Okay, so this is from chapter 18, text 76, which is the last, I believe the last verse. So the result, This is Prabhupada says this, the result of Krishna consciousness is that one becomes increasingly enlightened and he enjoys life with a thrill, not only for some time, but at every moment. Understanding, as one chants Hare Krishna and reads the Gita, impurities are removed from the heart and one becomes gradually more enlightened and closer to God. As one surrenders to Krishna, all the miseries of life are removed and one becomes serene and peaceful. Due to the proximity of Krishna, one is able to enjoy life to the full. Application. Living one's life with Krishna is an exquisite experience, exclamation mark. As the impurities are removed, gradually one becomes lighter and freer and more detached from material life. I will continue to practice Krishna consciousness, so Krishna walks with me more and more and brings me the thrill, that thrill, that zest for life, that feeling of being completely alive, that comes from walking with Krishna. Now it's interesting talking about the proximity of Krishna because he's right there in our heart. So we think, well, why am I not feeling thrilled when Krishna is so close, right? Well, the idea is that Krishna is so close, but our consciousness is so far. That's the idea. So what spiritual life does is means linking our consciousness with God's consciousness. Because Krishna says that I am there, but I'm aloof. So, in other words, the exchange between the Jiva and Krishna has been <clears throat> suspended in the personal uh, lila fashion. That's been suspended. And, and we're having the whole experience with God, Krishna's external energy, which is also Krishna. Like, not everything is Krishna, it's, it's, it's part of Krishna's. Being and body and everything, so Krishna's there, but um, just like a child is separate from their their mother. a mother might be um, in the same room, but if they're having a nightmare, then their their mind is somewhere else.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: but the mother could be holding them and they're having a bad dream so. See, but then when the the child wakes up, it's conscious, oh, there's my mother. So, and all the worries go away. Mm -hmm. So, thank you, Mari Mohini. Very, very short, but very precise Mm -hmm. and powerful. Okay, so this is from Bhagavad Gita, 1873, part of Prabhupada's Purport. So Krishna consciousness is acting according to Krishna's order. A conditioned soul, illusioned by the external energy of matter, does not know that the Supreme Lord is the Master who is full of knowledge and who is the proprietor of everything. Whatever he desires, he can bestow upon his devotees. He is the friend of everyone, and he is especially inclined to his devotee. He is the controller of this material nature and of all living entities. He is also the controller of inexhaustible time, and he is full of all opulences and all potencies." The Supreme Personality of Godhead can even give himself to the devotee. One who does not know him is under the spell of illusion. He does not become a devotee, but a servitor of maya, or illusion. Arjuna, however, after hearing Bhagavad Gita from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, became free from all illusion. He could understand that Krishna was not only his friend, but the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he understood Krishna factually, So to study Bhagavad Gita is to understand Krishna factually. When a person is in full knowledge, he naturally surrenders to Krishna. When Arjuna understood that it was Krishna's plan to reduce the unnecessary increase of population, he agreed to fight according to Krishna's desire. He again took up his weapons, his arrows and bow, to fight under the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead that's one of the reasons Krishna says, I come to this material world, I come to remove the burden of demonic persons. So he's doing what he does, and Krishna comes He does two things, three things. He reduces the burden of the demonic, so he kills the demons, and he benedicts the righteous by his darshan, by his instructions of Bhagavad Gita, and he lays out the path of dharma, So those three things Krishna does. And when when Arjuna understood this, it's like, oh, it's completely clear. This is just Krishna's mission, and I'm going to be part of Krishna's mission. And that's it. So this is the understanding. Sridhar Prabhupada states in the last paragraph of the last verse of chapter 18, the living entity in his original position is pure spirit. He is just like an atomic particle of the Supreme Spirit. Thus, Lord Krishna may be compared to the sun and the living entities to sunshine. Because the living entities are the marginal energy of Krishna, they have a tendency to be in contact either with the material energy or the spiritual energy. In other words, the living entity is situated between the two energies of the Lord. And because he belongs to the superior energy of the Lord, he has a particle of independence. By proper use of that independence, he comes under the direct order of Krishna. Thus he attains his normal condition in the pleasure-giving potency. So instead of wanting to enjoy, to be the recipient of pleasure from God's energies, we, be part of, we become part of the pleasure-giving potency. See, That is where real pleasure comes from, when the jiva does things to please God, as opposed to trying to have God and his energies please the jiva so as lord krishna says this is my opinion she speaks of the particle of independence we retain by the kindness of krishna god is very big and we are very small everything we have is given by god including our ability to choose him or to turn away from him the pious and sincere living entities who hear this ecstatic conversation between two great souls krishna and arjuna will be inspired to accept the path of bhakti yoga and begin traversing that path under the guidance of a bona fide spiritual master, whose mentorship is non-different than that of Lord Krishna himself, as the Lord infuses his own potency into such a confidential servitor, plugged into the pleasure-giving potency. Application We are meant to give, give pleasure to Lord Krishna, and that starts by recognizing his desire for us. When we hear his instructions through the medium of guru and sadhus, All illusion about the Lord's desires for us are dissolved. With this powerful weapon of knowledge, we begin with full determination on the path of pleasing God. I pray to traverse this path daily and relinquish attachments that hinder the goal of pure love of God. May you all bless me to accept the instructions of Bhagavad Gita with full relish and faithfulness. Please give your blessings. Okay. So we have completed the formal study of Bhagavad Gita. 18 chapters, wow. uh, 700 verses mm-hmm. with all commentary by Sri Prabhupada, and I believe the highest attendance goes to Krishna and okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs>
5: <Yeah. laughs>
0: <laughs> Every single class, right? Except one. Except for one. <laughs> wow. How many classes was it? How long did it
4: take to uh, go Well,
0: 62. Plus the summary classes by Gurudev. Yeah. yeah. So, like you know, 70 or something?
1: 70 yeah. weeks, basically.
0: Plus 70 weeks. Yeah. With okay. yeah. so some little breaks in between.
1: Jai.
0: Yeah. Does <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. yeah. so anybody have any final realizations they'd like to share?
3: Um, would <clears throat> like to comment on this verse that's the He who tells the secret of devotional service to the devotees. pure devotional service is guaranteed and at the end he will come back to me and in that well, krishna says krishna is transcendentally ever present as a philosophical fact even but the truth is that he is actually transcendentally present not that that's just a metaphor for some fictitious character by a poet or some sort of historical person like oh, where you can all this information from his form exists in that he is eternal full of knowledge and bliss and the secret is not just saying you know krishna is a real guy but trying to convey to people that look he's like right in front of you he's right there can't you feel him can't you see him and this sort of thing and so why that's a secret amongst the devotees is that they won't just say no i don't see what you mean you know, or, no, he's not. Mm, you know? They, like, can see the same thing in the room and then participate in that same relish together. Good. But um, because he's transcendently situated and ever-present, um, he is not swayed by our mi- the winds of our mind, but only our focus onto him is. Because even though he's there, like you were saying, like this consciousness is like a mirror. We're just focused on, like... Things that divide our attention from this absolute fact. Good.
0: Yeah, he he's not swayed, but he remains and patiently waits for us, like the bird on the tree waiting for his friend to stop eating the fruits to turn to him. So he's never influenced by the material energy, but he patiently waits for us. In relationship to the first thing you said. Uh, there is a popular song, and I don't know what it's called, but I remember hearing it. Um, in my past life, and one of the lyrics is, "I love the way you lie."
4: I don't know if you know that, that song.
0: Okay, so I love the way you lie. Now, people like people like poetry, but oftentimes they don't even care if it's true or not. Wow, what a great meter! What great metaphors! What wonderful rhyming! What uh intricate and, and and poetic language? Who cares if it's true or not? It just sounds great, right? Mm-hmm. But like a sincere person, ultimately they don't want to be lied to. And so, what is the use of these words that Krishna is saying? If it's all just, it's all a lie, like you were saying. Someone who can, you know asks about the truth of Krishna. What's the use? Krishna's saying, I'll do this, I'll do that. You can come to me. All these things. But it's all meaningless, because it's all just, it's just a poem. It's a poem in an old epic called Mahabharata. And that's it. Right? So that would be meaningless, ultimately. So this is, Krishna's speaking this, because this is a reality. He's telling us who we are, the eternal, fragmental parts and parcels. He's telling us the secret to becoming free from the cycle of birth and death and attaining our state of eternality and bliss in his kingdom. And like, the reality of the spiritual world is poetic. The reality is poetic. People are so into externals man, you really talked nicely to me. I don't care if tomorrow you stab me in the back. But right now, I'm loving the way you're lying to me. <laughs> it's useless. <laughs> What's the point? It's just <clears throat> painful. It's like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, these things become poison at the end. They're all a lie. So ultimately, what the material energy is offering is just a phantasmagoria. It's probably raised it. It's... It's a great presentation, but there's no substance. And it just ends in more confusion. So Yeah, this is poet poetry, but it's it's real. It's genuine. Krishna's speaking the truth for our highest benefit. So And that that also goes along the same theme as if somebody uh, you know is envious or they they have no faith and then that's okay we just say okay you're, you have a right to your opinion and, and we leave it at them but um yeah krishna says the, the foolish and unintelligent they can never understand me they remain perpetually bewildered by my external energy they can never understand and you know krishna says You can never understand me except for when you you start serving me with love and devotion. And then I I reveal myself to you. So, that's the science. That's the science that the mundane scientists will not take up. They won't take up loving devotional service to see if it works. Mm
5: -hmm.
0: That is the only way to access God. So you can tell scientists that. You can say, there's actually a scientific process. Will you take it up and try? Try chanting Hare Krishna for a month. And then tell me you don't believe in God. And if they won't take it up, say, "Well, sorry, you're not going to do that. you're not doing the scientific experiment, so you won't have the result."
1: So, yeah, well, I want to say one thing. I find it interesting that Prabhupada didn't write a purport to this verse. There is no servant in this world more dear to me than he, nor will there ever be one more dear. You know, because that is. I mean that's incredible. There is no servant in this world that is more dear to me than he, nor, nor will there ever be one more dear. And he's talking about those who, uh, who, who spread this knowledge. You know, so this is, this is profound. I guess it's self-explanatory, but I would have loved to have heard, you know, Prabhupada give a nice little purport on that. I have a purport on it. Yeah, sure. shoot. Right shoot.
0: <clears throat> so the purport is that Prabhupada is the most dear servitor of Krishna. So the purport is Srila Prabhupada. Yeah. There's no one more dear to Krishna than Srila Prabhupada. Because <laughs> he's spreading Bhagavad Gita all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So he was very humble. And sometimes he would leave little hints about his position. He didn't want to speak about it. Whenever the attention was put on him too much, he would change the subject to Krishna. So there was this uh, one beautiful uh, story, actually, Nick was sharing with me. He's sharing some of the, the daily pastimes. and uh, I, I can't remember all the details, but there's a, there was a reading about how Mahatma is experiencing like, this ever-increasing ecstasy, like this type of person. <laughs> He says, "He says, I am that person." <laughs> so sometimes he would say things in certain contexts, right. but he wouldn't—he to reveal just for our benefit—to reveal his position. Yeah. I am that person. <laughs> but it was a moment of ecstasy. See, it wasn't pride; it was ecstasy. So, okay, so we're we're. Formally done with Bhagavad Gita, but it's going to continue. Mm-hmm. Because in two weeks, Jivananda Prabhu he's going to come, he's going to give a summary class, and then we're going to start another book. Okay. So you're on my email list, right?
5: Yeah. Okay. I'll be coming
0: back. Okay, good. Awesome.
5: All right,
0: thank you. We enjoy having you. I'm so happy you're here.
5: So I wanted to ask you when you were reading about. That Krishna law or purpose is that we not only to be the recipients, recipients, but the, it doesn't mean that to share or to give, to be givers instead of. Because when you were saying that the, the word recipients,
0: yes,
5: that means that uh, I have the knowledge of Krishna, right? or, or yeah. what were you talking about? So when you when you
0: receive the knowledge, then you go and you share it with everybody. Okay. Yeah. All okay. right. The idea is is uh we share with whoever we can to help
2: them. That's okay. the idea.
0: So when we find something valuable and then we give it to others because we want them to also experience that. Okay. So that's that's the main thing. So that's that's the answer to, to Nick's mother's question. She said, Why do you share like this? Because we found something so valuable that changed us. Mm-hmm. So now we want to share that with other people.
1: Okay, okay, Hare Krishna.